Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Privileged teenager Aiden has one last chance to get his life back on track. His lucrative side hustle dealing drugs to his classmates and his own personal addiction has forced his distraught mother to turn him over to the police. If he acts as a confidential informant and sets up a major drug kingpin, the cops promise to reward his cooperation. I'm going to leave it there. There's a lot more to the film than that description. But the film is called The Runner, and we're joined today by the director of the film, and that would be Michelle Danner. Michelle, welcome to Film School Radio. Very nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. But curious about the origin of this particular project. You have been a part of either as a producer or a director of a lot of projects. Uh, what was it about this particular project that attracted you? It's really a story. It almost always starts, you know, that the little bit of a story that you want to tell. And late at night, I was watching on the news, kids that were forced to go undercover to capture, you know, the drug kinpin and police enforcement wouldn't really tell the parents. So the kids, you know, uh, because they had done a little misdemeanor, were forced to um, to come through. And I, I just, you know, I, I, I'm always moved by stories that happen to our kids. And when you know adult supervision is not there and things happen so i wrote a treatment and i gave it to um friend wonderful writer jason chase terrell who also had written a screenplay called bad impulse a psychological thriller that i had directed a few years back and he did a great job at writing the screenplay and we worked on it and we shot it right before the pandemic so what was great about it was that I was able to edit it. I was able to do the post-production of it in a very released place, very, you know, no pressure, no no deadlines, because we didn't know, you know, we were we, we were just so, it was a great way to work. Very different than what's happening right now. I, uh, I shot a movie this summer and wonderful movie called Miranda's Victim about the Miranda rights on the East Coast. And I'm on a deadline. I've got to come through. I've got to have this edited by this date. And so a whole other different process. All processes are different. They vary from film to film. But I have to say that the, my big lesson, what I learned on The Runner, is that I didn't feel that I was on the treadmill. Yeah. Fluid. And I was open. And um, I lost track of time. Which I think is just a great thing to do is to lose yourself, get out of your head and lose track of where you're at. I didn't even know what day it was, what time it is. I was just in it. I've heard this from a number of, of filmmakers that from the early 2020 period where they were shooting and somehow managed to finish some project they were working on and the uncertainty of knowing, first of all, whether you were going to be able to open in a, in a film festival, how you were going to get the word out about it, all the different that are tough enough under normal circumstances, but to be put through that. But it's good to hear that there was the silver lining in that particular cloud and it allowed you an opportunity to really kind of stretch out and be, be open to whatever maybe you wouldn't have been under normal circumstances, other, other ways of looking at the material. 
Yeah, absolutely. Stretch feels like a very good word here. And, and it's, I think, a great word in the sense that it leads you to creativity because the opposite, of, the opposite of you stretch because you don't want to be tight. And yeah. so when you're tight in your work, it's, uh, it's not a, as fluid. And so I like that idea. Yeah. The Runner has a wonderful cast. Um, let's talk a little bit about them and what they brought to the project. Edouard Philippona, he's Finnish, he's European, okay. and uh, he's got a great career ahead of him. He plays the the main character in the film, the young man right. who's under some duress as the, as the film goes on. Uh, Elizabeth Rome, who we know from American Hustle, uh, Eric Balford, who is a terrific actor, by the way, he, um, he's we know him from 24, Jessica Amley, Cameron Douglas. So it's a good cast. You got a great cast of people. Great cast. Carrie Matters plays, you know, uh, Layla, the young innocent girl. Uh, I was very fortunate to work with these incredibly talented actors. There, there's nothing, you know, um, more fun yeah. than to collaborate with, with that level of talent. Yeah. In terms of your um, directing style on the set, because you have a background as an a, teacher an acting teacher someone who knows knows how to to extract performances from from young actors and any I guess probably not the right way to put it actors in general what is your style like on set how do you approach a scene maybe it's two or three people what what do you bring to that conversation or what do you prep them? how do you prep them well you know first of all I never take anything for granted Okay. The fact that I know about acting and that I teach acting and that, you know, on a certain level, I pride myself on knowing what is a good performance uh, and how to fix something that doesn't work. But I never take any of it for granted. I mean, I'm probably, if you were to describe, I'm, I'm an actor's director. There's probably no question about that. I engage in a, in a dialogue with actors, but not over dialogue I, I don't think i believe in talking but i don't believe in over talking it because okay. the goal of the actor is to be able to get out of your head if you start to talk too much it plunges you into your head mm. so i am uh, more of a believer in doing but um i will offer some suggestions of course i will uh and you know listen my last movie i had Donald Sutherland, Andy Garcia, Kyle MacLachlan, um, a, a slew of other incredible actors, Luke Wilson, Ryan Philippe, Mireille Nuss, Abigail Breslin, Emily Van Camp, Josh Bowman. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, Taryn Manning, Nolan Gold, and um, Dan Loria. And, you know, when you have actors like that, when you have Donald Sutherland on set, and you go, well, what can I tell Donald Sutherland? Like, what can I say? But, you know, he wants to. He wants to. How did it go? How was it? What can you offer me? So you can always, I think, you know, really engage with an actor and see if um, the work can be brought, you know, the, the take can be brought to, to a different level, something different. Also, so that when you're editing, you have variations. I mean, I love to have colors, you know, so I love that actors really... Um, have a varied uh, choices so that the color palette is rich. Yeah. 
I mean, I love working with actors. It's one of my very favorite things about directing as opposed to, for instance, talking about the lenses and the shots and, you know, which, no, I mean, I actually love to do that too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, um, but my preference on all of it is, of course, to, um, you know, to have this conversation with actors and to watch from take to take the choices change, the choices that they make. And that's always very exciting. And if you can, you know, say something, if you can drop a little something, and and then the next take is whoa, you know. Then everybody on set looks at each other, and everybody's exhilarated, and that's just a wonderful part of making movies. Sounds like a great set to be on. I want to be on that set that you're describing. Mm -hmm. But um, if you were to describe the style of the runner, I mean, it's a very fast-paced at times and very suspenseful film. Do you have like North Star films that when you're thinking about how you're going to direct the runner and kind of a look or a feel or a vibe that you're trying to elicit? Do you do you have those kind of films that you say, I want this to look like or sound like? Absolutely. I definitely think about it ahead of time. And I wanted people, I wanted the movie to be suspenseful. I wanted people to be on the edge of their seats. I wanted it to take place in one day. That's what we had discussed with Jason. I wanted it to be about young talent, which is, you know, in the movie, all these wonderful young actors. We didn't mention uh, Najee Jetters, who plays the best friend of Aiden, Blake. He was great. Yeah, of course, I do all my preparation. You know, I also want to say about The Runner is that it's, it's a true indie. It was just it's a true independent movie. We did the festival circuit, you know, during in the aftermath during COVID. We won awards in many different places. We premiered at CineQuest. Oh. We went into all kinds of really wonderful film festivals in Europe and in the United States. You know, I just think that only because this next movie that I did had a completely different budget, a much higher budget. And, you know, you can create magic when you have very limited resources, which we did on The Runner. But whether you work on, you know, a million dollar movie or a $15 million movie, the the process in terms of, you know, uh, finding a, a color palette that works for the story, making decisions on what the tone of it is going to be, you know, all those decisions are the same. Um, I'm very hands-on right down to, you know, who is going to be in the background, what, uh, you know, if there's babies, I, I want to audition the babies. If there's knives or there's guns, I want to look at, you know, 10 different kinds. I'm just really hands-on in terms of props. I pick my own locations. The locations are always characters in your movies. So they lend something very rich to the texture of it. Um, you know, it's so interesting. It's a painting and uh, you get to to pick and choose and you know, um, move around. So yeah. all of those decisions, absolutely. I had a wonderful director of photography. You mentioned him, uh, Pierluci Malavasi. He's Italian. I also worked with him just now. I collaborated with him on Miranda's Victim. And he did a fabulous job on The Runner and on, on Miranda's Victim. He's uh, he's a real artist. And I think it, it shows in the work. Yeah, thank you for bringing him into the conversation because it has been my anecdotally my experience that this the the role of the cinematographer can make a good movie great and an average movie good 
and and just the, the importance of having a look, having someone who understands the look and how it works with the different kinds of framing of that. I, it's an incredibly dynamic part of any film production, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, yeah it's got a great look. It does. It really does. Um, I just okay. want to remind our listeners, speaking with uh, Michelle Danner, she is the director as well as producer. Any other hats that I should know that you were wearing during during the runners? Are those the two main? Well, I I did a cameo. I did. Uh, well, that's the, right. The convenience store clerk. That's right. I'm sorry, you were also in the film. That's right. But uh, director producer of the film The Runner, which is available currently right now as we speak on all the major platforms. Anything that uh, that matters, you'll be able to watch The Runner on at Apple, iTunes. The usual suspects, I think, is, is a fair way to put it. Switch gears a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about your background as an acting teacher. I mentioned it earlier. How did you, how did that happen? How did you get into to becoming an acting teacher? You know, I think you just really have to go back to when I was a child. My father, I always talk about this, opened the very first William Morris agency in Europe in Paris, off the Champs-Élysées, so when I was three years old. He moved his family to Paris. And as I grew up, very often, I was very close to my dad. He took me to work. And so I remember uh, setting up a little house under his desk. And, you know, very early on was privy to so many big celebrities that would come in and discuss their careers and their dreams and their projects. And so I'm sure I took it all in. I was known apparently when the William Morris agents would come to have dinner at the house to do imitations of Judy Garland and my and uh, uh, Alfred Hitchcock and Ed Sullivan. I would tap dance on the table, but uh, mostly what really um, you know uh, affected my childhood was the, my love of literature, mm -hmm. and so I read. I was an avid reader. And I would set up in my closet this little thing, this bookshelf with all these books. And I remember having a little candle, but I feel like that was too dangerous. It must have been a little light. <laughs> it could have gone up in flames. But I was reading a lot. I went to every library and just always read and read and went to museums and loved plays and took acting classes and went to the conservatory of Versailles and, and, and studied with some wonderful teachers. So then when I was... Um, a teenager and I moved to the United States. We moved back, our family moved back to New York when I was about 15 and I started studying with Stella Adler and Uta Hagen um, and some other wonderful actors, William William Esper that passed away a few years ago. Uh, I had a, an education that, you know, was all encompassing. And uh, I, I just, I was always, I hated dogma. I, I sat in Stella's class and didn't love that, you know, this is the only way that you can do this. I always rebelled inside of myself. And I went, what do you mean? The only way that you can do it this way and you can do it that way. And thus me having, you know, uh, created my own philosophy of teaching, uh, my own toolbox for actors called the golden box, where actors learn tools from different techniques, whether it be the method Stanislavski, Lee Strasberg, Stella Adler, Sandy Meisner, and all those wonderful, wonderful uh, icons that taught acting. And you take the things that work for you and also what works for you in this movie or in that TV show or on stage may not work for you in the next. So you take those tools, you take the tools that you learn when you're actually doing jobs, when you're hands-on, because you learn. I always write a list of everything I've learned, all the mistakes I've made, 
so I don't make the same mistakes, maybe different ones, but not the same. And so the tools you learn, on, you know, when, when you're on the job while you're working, you put them in your toolbox. And then life, you know, life teaches you lessons on a daily basis. And those tools also go in that golden box. So you have a lot to pick from when you sit down with a script, with a story, and start to think about how you're going to create a character, what kind of choices are you going to make, how are you going to make that story human um and how are you going to make it part of you how are you going to bring yourself to it so um I'm, I'm a great believer in having um a toolbox that has a lot of gold in it that you can use you know i'm looking at the list of people you worked with henry cavell gerald gerard butler abigail reslin uh luke wilson donald sutherland you mentioned kyle mclaughlin um Chris Rock, Ryan Philippe, just a wonderful array of people. Um, yeah, some of them I've directed them and some of them I've coached them. I think from, from what you were saying about you at a young age, you were exposed to a lot of well-known people. And I imagine that served you well in terms of um, not being intimidated, seeing them more as people than sort of iconic figures in, and that I imagine would, in terms of what you do as a director and what you do as a coach, acting coach, is it coach? How do you prefer to be referred to? It was acting teacher. Yeah. Oh, I was kind of curious. Yeah. Whatever. Yes. Yeah. I imagine that served you well, just to, to be able to focus in on the work and on the person, as opposed to some sort of uh, inflated kind of um, perception that you might have had of them? Well, the three uh, actors, I mean, I've admired the work of all the actors that I have worked with only because I single-handedly um, said, you know, that I wanted them to yeah. be in the movie. And some of them were my first choice. You know, there's nothing actors make fun that directors always say, oh, you, you know, Every, every director says to the actor, you were my first choice. And that's not necessarily true. Uh, and that's true. It's not always necessarily true. But a lot of these actors were my first choice. Like, for instance, Donald Sutherland. Now, Donald Sutherland happens to remind me of my father quite a lot. Um, and there's just something about him and ordinary people and, and the slew of work. He's also my mother's favorite actor. My mother just turned 87 and Donald just turned 87. I mean, he was... You know, I could we could do a whole entire podcast about having worked with Donald Sutherland. I thought he was just extraordinary. He's an extraordinary human being. And uh, the emails that he wrote about the character, the conversations that we had uh, will wow. always stay, you know, yeah. in my heart. Yeah. Um, when you see somebody on screen that you haven't seen before and you watch him in, in a movie, are you able to analyze what they're doing as an actor as a form of the Adler method or of so do you do you find yourself sort of seeing technique as well as performance when you watch somebody do you find yourself sort of picking that apart or that's a very interesting question I don't I thought you were going to ask me because I think I make my son crazy every time we watch something I go what's the name of that actor what was that actor in <laughs> I'm always asking those questions can you kind of get the idea of where they're going with the type of performance based on what they what method they may have sort of learned how to act under you know I don't know that I could pinpoint down okay. what method I can see how they work 
Okay. Uh, I can see how they work and I can see, yes, of course. I mean, I can see if they're using, you know, something that's really deeply personal to them versus, you know, but I mean, I'm not, uh, although I have been known to be psychic, um, you know, I don't know that I'm really able to, to know that for sure, but, uh, but I do know when it penetrates deep and when someone really hit a nerve, you know, they, they've just, they hit a note inside of them that feels truthful and feels real, whether it's something that, you know, was sparked by uh, a what if, what if this would happen in my life, or if it actually did happen, um, you know, that I don't think that I could, you know, necessarily call out that distinction. Um, but, uh, but I can usually tell, yes, I mean, I have a sense of how an actor works, for instance, I know if they didn't dig in enough in the character's backstory, because that is always uh, the result of that always has to do with the physical life that the actor has or doesn't have. And so the physicality of it is what yeah, you're and also, you know, not only the physicality of the character, but, um, you know, an idea of how to portray the character, how to make choices that are psychological with their with their body. So recently, um, so I was told that, you know, John Travolta saw the runner and he liked it, which totally uh, made me so happy. And I, in my master class, The Golden Box, break down a scene that John Travolta has in Saturday Night Fever, where he makes these choices with the ring. Um, you know, he has a crush on this girl and he's in this coffee shop in Brooklyn and uh, she puts him on the spot and she and he's shy and he's nervous around her because, you know, he likes her and he gets all of this behavior out of this ring, which in acting is called creative hiding with an object. I certainly watch when I watch actors. Absolutely, I watch. I watch the work. I watch them endow objects. I went to see a movie last night. For a long time, I hadn't gone to the movie theaters, and last night I went with my children to see this new movie. It's a whodunit with Sam Rockwell, and you know, watching him work is always a joy. I saw him work uh, on stage in David Mamet's American Buffalo. Literally, I wrapped principal photography on this movie on July 7th. And on July 9th, I was on a Broadway stage at the Circle in the Square watching the closing performance of American Buffalo and watching Sam Rockwell and Larry Fishburne. Um, and um, oh, I'm blanking on this guy. Other actor's name is wonderful. But anyway, all that object work that they did and all the techniques that they use, absolutely. I mean, you can tell, yes. Yeah. I'm Speaking of Sam Rockwell, well, first time I ever saw him was in the film Moon. Where yes. Five or six. And I thought he was right then. I said, this guy is a great actor from yeah. that film. By the way, there's someone I'm sort of obsessed with. And I just saw a film with her in it. Thomason McKenzie, who was just in the, the, the Justice of Benny, the Justice of Bunny King is a, a New Zealand film, but from seeing her and leave no trace. I'm a little bit off on a tangent, I realize, but no, 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 there's, it's fine. There's, an act, there's an actor who I just think is so natural. I don't think it's all natural. It's, it's a real, she's a real performer, but her, the naturalness of her performances just blows me away. She's wonderful. She's a wonderful actress. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's again go. Let's return to the reason that we are here today, which is to talk about The Runner. It's a film that is currently available on all the major platforms, and uh, and you can check it out there. Great acting in it, suspenseful, action packed. 
anything that you want to kind of leave our listeners with in terms of, you know, a takeaway from the film for you? And Well, I made a specific choice with the ending of the movie. Yeah. And it's so interesting because I've, I've gone to many screenings of the film. We had it, we played it the Chinese and, and people interpret the ending in different ways depending on who you are and depending on, on what you believe in. So I think the ending is something that is up for discussion. And I'm not going to say it either way, but um, I think it's, um, I, I wanted to say something very specific with the ending. And it's very much open to interpretation. Well, Michelle Denner, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for your insights. Thank you for The Runner. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.